0: You are listening to a Big MX Radio podcast, brought to you by Fly Racing, presented by W Wheels, X-Brand Goggles, Tech One Designs, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Trans Canada Sports, Rhino Power, Sports Supplements, Westside Honda, Roy Borton Suspension Systems, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Motocross and Supercross news from around the globe. We're not experts, but we've got a microphone. Check us out on the web at www.bigmxradio.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. With me on the line, two of my very favorite bench racing compadres. They're on the East Coast. I'm right dead smack in the middle of Canada, but we got the exact same temperature going on. Just in the mid 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 twenties, if you're a Fahrenheit guy, if you're uh, if you're a Canadian, you're talking right around that zero mark. Uh, So, uh, with me on the line, of course, I'm Brad Gebhart, your host of the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Uh, We've got Tony Blazer and Mike Sweeney. How's it going, brothers?
1: guys doing well, thanks.
0: Awesome. Uh, thanks again for me for coming on today. Uh, obviously, uh, we were supposed to do this last night, but I uh, had an emergency situation that uh, didn't allow us to do so. But uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys uh, making some time for me, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Purely bench racing. Uh, obviously, none of us have seen a professional motocross race since the Monster Cup, and uh, for those who uh, weren't able to uh, get your fill of, uh, of of some some racing and all that, watching the the Genevan and the uh, I guess is the Lille Supercrosses and stuff like that. Uh, we're just going to talk moto because uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm jonesing.
1: Absolutely. Can't wait for uh, the supercross season to kick off in January. It's gonna be very good. <laughs> for
0: sure. Uh before we <laughs> yeah. get uh, too far into this, let's uh let's name our favorite riders just so that anyone who's listening uh knows if we got a little bit of favoritism going on. So uh as far as uh who you guys cheer for, uh I'll start with Tony.
1: Uh my number one guy who's still racing, is Chad Reed. Yep, for sure.
0: Perfect. And uh and Mike.
1: Uh boy, well, you know, I
2: like Eli a lot. Um, Trey, yeah, I don't know if I can pick one favorite. Uh, you know, I just admire, you know, I just admire all those For guys sure. so much. So
0: you're, you're like, Mike is like Switzerland. He's just so neutral. He, he just, he, <laughs> everything's rainbows and he wants everyone to win. He's like a, he's the kindergarten well, teacher of, uh, of, of, of fans. Would you agree?
2: Well, you know what? It's nice. I'm always happy no matter who wins. Hey,
0: that's absolutely true. You're never two down. <laughs> do the two of you play uh, fantasy motocross? Yep. Perfect. And Tony, you're not I so don't. much into I'm, that, I are thought
1: you? It like it. No, I ha- I've never tried it. Uh, I never have tried it. I thought i might to be doing it this year, but I haven't tried it in the past.
0: I uh, I suggest the three of us get into a league together and uh, and see if we can battle it out uh, to who got, who's got the, uh, the best inside track on some of these riders. What do you guys think?
1: It sounds, a good time.
0: sounds good. That'd be great. Good uh, Good to get some banter going. So before we get too far into this, let's tackle the uh, the elephant in the room. It's James Stewart. It's Adderall. It's the suspension. Um, first of all, I'll, I want to get uh, Mike's opinion on all this. James Stewart is going to be suspended from all FIM competition races, regardless of of that, that's literally all racing uh, that the FIM uh, has, like sanctions, Um, whether it be uh, motocross, he won't be able to ride street bikes at all, he won't even be able to uh, sign up for a mountain bike race that the FIM's holding um, for 16 months. Of course, uh, they've done some... Uh, this is served time since April, so uh, his suspension actually expires in, in August of this year. Uh, I'd love to get your guys' uh, opinion on this, starting with Mike. How's it going?
2: Yeah, you know, if we look at the facts, pretty much somebody in his camp screwed up, or yeah. they didn't have that PUE for whatever reason, um, but I think if we kind of look at how he's being penalized, I think it's far too severe of a penalty that he's been handed. Um, You know, I did some Googling around today and good old uh, Wikipedia has this incredible listing of athletes that have been banned by WADA and the different substances and how long they were banned, et cetera, et cetera. And there's nobody that's been banned for Adderall on this list. There's quite a few guys that have been banned for something similar, which is like a Sudafed or a Federine. Yeah. And a large percentage of them on their first offense, have been handed just a warning. And then there's a whole bunch of others that have been giving only a three month suspension. And there's actually a couple of guys on here that had been suspended for other things in the past and then got caught with pseudofed or FedRIN and then been handed a three month warning or a three month penalty. So I think, the uh, The duration of James's penalty is far too big. I think, you know, I've, I've said this on social media. I think it should have been, you know, make him sit out A1, put him on probation, uh, and kind of go from there, just kind of give him a slap on the hand. I think he's embarrassed already. Yeah. Uh, you know, his, his I think brand that, that would have been, been more than Like,
0: he's, his brand value, as far as, like, James yeah. Stewart, the brand, has been tarnished yeah. be, almost beyond repair. But, yeah, go on.
2: Yeah. So, so that's, that's my whole thing is I just, you know, yeah, he screwed up, you know, for what are which I think it's funny because he has the biggest entourage in the sport. So how he didn't have a guy in there going, Hey James, you need to, uh, go through this list and fill out the TUE if you're Adderall, you know, how that slipped through the cracks is, you know, that's a huge screw up, but, uh, you know, he's paid the price. And, you know, I think this, you know, two full seasons essentially of racing, you know, the supercross being one and outdoor being the others. It's a pretty harsh penalty.
0: Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, Tony, uh, let us know what how you're feeling about JS7. As far as I can tell, you like the guy. Like I think you you've been a fan of this kid ever since you saw him twist the throttle on an 80 or a super mini. Uh, So uh, this like because you're just a fan of great seeing great racing and just watching James Stewart ride a motorcycle is uh, is something cool to watch. So uh, I'd love to get your take on all this.
1: Yeah, actually, the truth of the matter is, I've never been a James Stewart fan as far as like rooting for him, uh, like as a a super fan kind of thing. I I respect his ability on the motorcycle. I do love watching the kid ride, you know, but I was always more of a Chad Reed guy. And, um, I mean, in in general, I'm never upset, uh, when, when there's good racing. I really don't, when it comes down to it, I really don't care who wins as long as it's an exciting race. Um, and sometimes James has pulled some nonsense that I haven't really cared for. You know, especially when he's younger, he sh- I think he did not show a lot of respect to other riders on the track at times. A lot and of times, uh, yeah. Isn't, yeah, endangered people scrubbing down in front of them, you know, many times. And he just kind of led me the wrong way. But that aside, um, you have to respect the fact that he's so talented and so fast. And um, I actually agree with Mike a little bit on this. I think the... Um, I think he's basically just being made an example of, which is kind of strange when you think, I could understand if all of a sudden, like the AMA or one of our uh, organizations wanted to make an example, you know, to show that, Hey, they're going to be tough on this, you know, but uh, WADA, it seems, you know, they're, they're much bigger picture than just motocross. So I, I don't know, really know why they would have any interest in singling out, you know, James. It's like, they probably don't, don't even hardly know who this guy is. You know, motocross is fairly small and, and in, in terms of an in international sport compared to like cycling and some other stuff. So it is kind of puzzling. I mean, um, I, I do think, yes, it was probably just an oversight. I don't think he was intentionally trying to cheat or anything. If he needs this medication for, you know, a therapeutic use, that's, that's fine. And obviously, um, there can be, you know, exceptions made in those cases. And this is probably just a paperwork oversight. Um, I, I am a little puzzled, you know, they did give him the TUE going forward, so it does seem a little strange that they, you know, pretty much threw the book at the guy, I mean, I guess it could have been worse. They could have said, Hey, it's a uh, two full years starting, you know, in, you know, let's say after his last race last year, which would be even worse. But um, I'm surprised that they, they were quite as strict as they were on that, you know,
0: for sure. Like uh, if I want to weigh in on this, like, in my opinion, they made an example of, of James Stewart. They, they went in like, this is our first ruling on this sport. We're setting a standard right now. You don't mess with uh, with with WADA. You, like we will we'll come down on you. Um, we'll uh, we'll make we'll make things hard on you. And, and if you try and cheat um, in any type of way, if you're caught not obeying the rules, we'll literally throw the book at you. And in my my in my opinion, way too harsh. Based on what James Stewart has done for this sport, and I and you can argue uh, like he didn't take it to the to the next level because I think uh, that the responsibility for that is still on Jeremy McGrath as far as where it stands uh, as from a viewership as well as some outsiders uh, recognition. But like the guy has p- blood, sweat and tears for the last 15 years more. He's given since the age of 10 or 12 years old, motocross has been his only deal. Yeah. He's, he's done the Bubba's world thing and, and for a little while he's had a bit of a roller coaster time in terms of his uh, the affection that uh, fans have had for him and stuff like that but for the most part the guy's given his all and uh, he's ridden hurt he's ridden injured and uh, he's always been a fun guy to watch at riding a motorcycle whether it was a boring race with him 15 minutes out front or 15 seconds out front or whatever it was it's still still a great thing to watch and um, uh, I think that uh, he, he's been he's been really uh, like made an example of for this. Uh, obviously, this is. I don't think it's even as much on him as it is, like you said, uh, on his camp, his, his entourage, if you will. Somebody knew or somebody didn't know he was taking Adderall or someone uh, messed up. Someone didn't put the paperwork in. I very much doubt James Stewart is sitting at home at his desk, uh, filing all of his papers and making sure that everything is exactly how it's supposed to be. He's, he's getting somebody else to do that. Uh, so in my opinion, in this case... You hit his pocketbook. Uh, the guy makes a lot of money. Uh, you, you hit him with a fine. you uh, I don't know what where, where the money would go. But anyway, you hit him at the pocketbook. Maybe you hold him out for a couple of races. Make it so that he can't win the championship. So, but go out there so that he can at least put all of his hard work that he's put over the last year, or I guess last six months, into effect. Because the guy's been riding. If you, ha- you follow him on Instagram, the guy's been thrown down laps like no tomorrow. And as well as his sponsors, you can't tell me that, uh, 10 or three weeks away from Supercross that there wasn't a hundred sets of, uh, or maybe not a hundred sets, but like 50 sets of James Stewart graphics already printed. You can't tell me that the seven gear already didn't have uh, a ton of all the new colorways with his, with his practice gear and all that fun stuff. Like that was all printed with his name on the back and like the, everything was all set up.
1: Um well that's so I mean that's the danger of having an outside organization and like Wada doesn't I don't really think they care about they any don't. of those things. Like by allowing like an outside organization outside of the EMA, outside really outside of the FIM and all this stuff, they don't care that Yoshimura Suzuki is out this money. They no. just they have their own agenda and I think you're right, I think James is just in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah. and he's you know, being he's basically being made um an example of that, hey, you know, don't mess with us. Um, whether or not you know, right or wrong, it's just it is what it is. You know, he's kind of, he's they they want to make sure that everybody understands. Hey, going forward, we 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 mean business. You know,
0: for sure. And I think like obviously, like the, they probably licked their chops at the fact that it was a a big name rider that we can really uh, like basically set precedent here. And um, I think they went about it in the wrong way. James Stewart, I think if if he actually was taking Adderall on a regular basis. Like like we've heard Steve Mathis say a hundred times, this just levels the playing field. It allows you to compete properly. And if like we saw, if he stopped taking it after the uh, the results came in, uh, after I guess that would have been high point was after his his big win there. Uh, afterwards, he was a shell of his former self. He was crashing. He like on top of the fact that his mind was probably elsewhere. Uh, he was having a hard time focusing and, and, and racing properly. Um, yeah, he was a mess. Yeah, he was an absolute mess. Like whether that was emotionally from, from dealing with all this garbage or the fact that his, his brain just couldn't couldn't quite focus on, on the task at hand. So A, you've put him like not only um, he's a danger to himself and others, but like he he needs this medicine. Like, if that's what he needs, like, that's that's what he needs. I, I know for myself from playing, uh, like, a medium to high level of football growing up at 21, 22 years old, even there, there was players who would take it before a game. And I'm not lying. Those guys would let me know that it was night and day differences as far as uh, its effect on your awareness, your ability to focus on the task at hand, and... And it's clearly an advantage, but like I said, if it's just something that you're taking on a regular basis, it's something that you feel like no different than you or I do right now, uh, with with basically no stimulus, and it's uh, it's it's not a it's not an advantage. So that being said, why the like why can't more educated people see it the way we do?
1: It's a good well, question. I in, yeah, I mean, I think it's important though that. You know, if you follow the sport for very long, you know in this this sport so often um, nothing comes from these situations. Whether it's like the whole fuel gate thing yeah. with RC, you know, he basically he threatens to go to NASCAR and they revise the points and give him back. I mean, I, I thought that was ridiculous at the time, yeah. and it it kind of makes it it kind of makes it seem like a, you know a second tier kind of a clown show. Right. Um, so I think I think it's important that they make a statement that they don't back down because let's say if it's a you know, a Phil Nicoletti or somebody like that, he, he gets hit with this and you know, he's not getting off. They're not going to, you know, back down. Um, but there's a, there's a perception that, yeah, maybe if this was Ryan Villapoto that had got hit with this, that somehow it would have got swept under the rug and monster would have pressured somebody. So in one way I can understand why they want to make, they don't want to have the appearance of catering to a superstar or making it look like, you know, they're, they're somebody's in somebody else's back pocket. So maybe they're going a little too far the other way. Uh, by being extra stern to say, look, hey, you know, I don't care who you are. You know, we are not going to tolerate this. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. They, I don't really know or think that there's anything personal against Stewart. Uh, I just think, again, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, yeah, he did it. I mean, I think he deserves some kind of punishment for it. And it's important that, you know, they do know that if you are cheating, if you are taking something that they tell you you can't, you got to make sure that uh, you know the exemption's in and everything's fine, still and delivered, or you're going to get in trouble.
0: You know, absolutely. So, I think I can get you guys both agree that we all think that it's too long of a suspension, and this is a very much a case of WADA flexing their muscles a little bit to let everybody know, "Hey, we're here and 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 we're not to be messed with." Would you guys agree?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's like, you know, that old, there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, type exactly.
0: Of stuff. And uh, we're serious and we're going to make you pay for it. Uh, I'm sure it hit him in the pocketbook. And uh, we as fans are robbed of some great racing because James Stewart, if he's on, can be faster than anyone in the world. And uh, I, I, I strongly believe that. Um, so let's move on to uh, our next topic, which uh, happens to be silly season. Um, common name that we have for a lot of uh, this whole, uh, which actually kind of uh, puts into perspective of how silly the sport can get at times where um, I'm not too sure who here uh, can put their hand up and let us know that uh, we all knew that Barsha was going to Yamaha uh, by like February.
1: <laughs> uh, worst, worst kept secret in the pit. Pretty much.
0: Like, uh, it, the only one worse I can think of that is back when, uh, Ricky had switched to Suzuki, but that was literally a signed and press release thing in, I believe, March. So, um, but this time they literally were like, uh, I don't know. I, 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 don't know. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, we'd like to reward with them. Maybe like Jay Boone, just, just playing all coy. Um, with like the whole JGR thing to the very end. And like, I just, I don't get that from this sport, but nevertheless, what do you guys think about, uh, Justin Barsha flying uh, a new color for 2015?
2: I think it's going to be interesting. It's, um, what was funny, funny with Justin, you know, as a 250 rider, he was known as what? He was known as a great starter. And then, that disappeared on the 450 class for whatever reason, whether it's the bike or his confidence or what. Yeah. And you know now he's now he's. I'm wondering if he's feeling a little pressure being on you know being the number one guy on the Yamaha team now, uh, on a bike that's known for getting the starts. Uh you know if he's not getting out of the gate on the Yamaha, you got to wonder what people are going to start saying. So I think it's going to be interesting seeing him on that.
0: Well, yeah, and even uh, at uh, Geneva uh had, a, had himself a second place start before his crash but if you notice the guy who was in front of him wasn't anything special uh as far as uh, like I didn't exactly like recognize who it was but that being said I probably bet that it wasn't anyone that was of 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 great merit so that being said um easy to believe that he's he's still struggling with those starts I I don't believe he pulled any whole shots at um at the Monster Cup. I don't think he did at uh, the Lille Supercross either. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of the same thing from uh, Justin Barsha. I hope he can uh, become more of a contender because from, from from my point of view, it's been a bit of a letdown as far as uh, his walking into the uh, the Supercross or the 450 class with two out, um, Supercross championships on the little bike and um, just kind of... Underwhelming, if that's the way I want to say it. Um, what are your thoughts, Mike?
2: Well, you know, the other thing that a lot of people with him aren't speaking about is he's actually undergoing two major changes this year. Uh, in addition to learning the new bike and team, he is training with Johnny O now too. So he's really changed his program. That's
3: got to help um, him, though.
2: And I know. Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, you look at the guys that you know that Johnny has worked with. You know, going all the way back to RC, and you know. Uh, You know, champions, you know, just like Alden Baker. Um, But, you know, I I think Justin will figure it out. I think he's going to get that speed back. I think a a lot of it, I think he lost his confidence on the Honda, lost his motivation a little bit. Um, So, you know, I think when he comes out and he's angry, as he should be, um, you know, I think he's great for the sport. We need that guy with a little bit of swagger, a little bit of Bob Hannah in him. You know, somebody's going (laughs) to strike fear if he gets inside of you going to the turn. So, it's uh, it's good. I, I hope he gets that kind of that feedback and gets right in there. It'll be uh, it'll be great for the mix and great for the racing
0: for sure. For sure. Uh, what are your thoughts there, there, uh, Tony?
1: I mean, I think it might take him a little while to get used to the Ahmad's Always, obviously, uh, particularly going to that bike. It's a very different bike than the others. Um, it is kind of interesting how he did struggle on that the 450, because I remember even when he was on the 250, you know, a couple of rounds, he went to Unidale on some races, and he was, you know, challenging, dungeon those guys uh, outdoors. So I think yep. all of us had real high expectations for him. And then uh, I guess for whatever reason, I think the last couple of years, I don't think any of the guys have been particularly happy with the Honda. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, top to bottom, any of them were having a great time. They seem to be having some trouble with the chassis and suspension. And I think stuff. it's yeah, I, I, I definitely think it had something to do with it, you know, that's why you like it. Went back to the Spring Forks and I think um, you know, once that gets in your head a little bit, it's hard to you know, hard to get it out, which probably a lot of the reason he went to J G R wanted to change a pace and stuff. for whatever reason I think corporate Honda seemed to be on that air fork, you know, bandwagon and not wanting to uh switch off of it and that's part of the reason, you know, Chad left too. He was not happy with the whole thing, so yeah, I, I hope Justin's up front. You know, I think it's good for racing if you have one more guy. Lord knows he has, you know, plenty of talent. Uh, you know, and I think, like Mike said, Johnny O being his corner certainly should help training wise and uh, get him on the right track. Hopefully, and I'd love to see JGR do well. You know, that team has had so many tough oh, breaks over the
0: years. Tell me about it. Um, yeah,
1: I would love oh. to see them up front. I, I think you know Yamaha. I've always been a big Yamaha fan. I was so bummed out when the uh, factory team folded up. Uh, back in, like, 09. Um And they've obviously struggled since then. So last year, the 250 team kind of pulled through, and hopefully the 450 will do well this year.
0: For sure. I, I totally agree. Um, I'd like to see JGR do well. They're a team that um, I don't think they need to make ra- win races to make money, because I think they've got some great sponsors uh, behind them. And also the fact that uh, I, I think, like, as far as – the budget goes, uh their NASCAR event is probably like a week worth of NASCAR as an entire like year worth of motocross. So <laughs> no doubt. Like night and day. <laughs> but uh um their second rider Weston Pike and it was like I wouldn't say it's a controversy.
2: Hey Blaze, did you see my comment on your post on that shot of uh, JoJo today? Uh
1: which, which shot was it?
2: Uh that black and white picture you put of JoJo on the Cowie on the eighty seven? No, I didn't see it. What did you say? Oh, uh, it was just the photo really reminded me how much the KX two fifty changed from eighty seven oh,
1: to ninety. I did see that. I remember what's 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 crazy oh my God. is you know, I remember I had an eighty seven and that thing was like razor thin and then yes. I had um and in eighty eight I uh a wide. I a a buddy of mine had it, I hated it. I mean the two fifty felt like a five hundred, it was like such a tank. And although I loved the bike was <laughs> fast, I didn't I didn't like the feel of it. You know, it had that big, giant, you know, snow shovel yep. fender and the whole thing. Um, yep. They were good bikes. Don't get me wrong. It was a rocket. It was a really, really, it was way faster than the 87. Um, the but, suspension of you know, the 89 was so, was so good. Yeah, exactly. The 89 had great suspension. Because the 87 I had had oh. crappy forks. They were terrible. Um, it was like yep. a tractor, and the suspension was pretty poor, but it had a good feel to it. And then in '88, you know, they went to the cartridge forks, and that was a big yep. improvement. But I didn't like the porky feel of the thing. You know, it's just, you know, you're taller than me too, so it felt like it was kind of a big wide bike, it kind of reminded me of my '85 YZ, um, which was kind of yeah. a chubby bike too. Um, yep. So it was definitely different. But yeah, think about it. What's the amazing thing, dude? When you when I write these classic steel articles, you look back at like Honda. From, like, 81 to 85, they redesigned the bike every single year. I mean, the, the yeah. 83, yep. day. 84, 85 Honda CR500Rs are completely different. I mean, there's the 83 oh, yeah. and 84, are both they are cool, but the motors are reversed. You know, the kickstand, kick, stand, uh, kick stars on the opposite side. Yep. And then they redesigned, can you imagine they do that now? Now, look at Suzuki. The new RM is Z 450 is basically an 08,
0: you know? Yeah, they, they, I was they, looking yeah. at so their, no, like their number plates and stuff. Yeah. I was noticing they're the yeah. only... Team that still has like big number plates on the sides. I'm like, that's because they haven't changed the bike in years. Like Michael yeah, Leslie, yeah. I know we're not all fans of that guy, but he's riding a 2010. Yeah,
1: I know exactly. It's kind of like <laughs> MC back in the day. On 93. That's what I was going to say. Is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yep. It's so funny though. That, you know, back then there was so much change, and I remember. You know, um, I just sold my 5 YZ250, and that thing. Think about that. That bike's almost ten years old now, and it's still, you know, pretty modern and everything else. And you think, you know, back then, if you had a two-year-old bike, your bike was completely outdated. Oh yeah. I like, mean, what are you I, doing I, on that thing? Exactly. Yep. I, I bet if yep. I still had my '05 CRF 450, I could go out and if I was fast enough, be competitive on it. You know, that that bike was.
2: I'm sure. So good
1: then yeah. that it still would be plenty competitive now. You know, oh, for I, sure. and
3: yeah.
1: and think about it. like back then if you were on an 85 bike. If you went back 10 years, you were on a bike with, like, three inches of travel, you know, an air cooling. And <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy yep. how much things changed back then, you know. It just went at warp speed. I mean, somewhere, you know, I don't know, in the mid-2000s, it's just pretty much the four-stroke thing kind of. I mean, it's so funny. You look at a Kawasaki KX450, a 14 or a 15, and I can't hardly tell what year it is to look at look at it. You know, going back yep. to even oh six. They all look almost yep. the same, Yep. you know? Yeah, you and can't like, tell the I, difference. I can look, no, I can look at any bike from the 80s, and I can tell you just from the glancing at it, oh, I know what year this is. You know, but the yep. Kawasaki, they haven't changed. the same thing with the RMZ. Other than the, the color of the seat and the side panels, it's the same motorcycle.
0: Yeah, they changed the back fender, yep. and, then, and then it's a whole brand-new bike, man.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. Well, exactly. Put a white fender on it. Oh, it's new. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Which is why we're getting stuff like air forks, triple-chamber air forks now, because they need to have something
1: to sell well what, what do you guys think about that that is that's the, the dumbest thing I, I just can't yeah I can't I think I want to deal with that
0: it's a no? it's the it's uh it's cheaper for the manufacturers that's why they want it seriously sure, 100%, of course, That's why they want too. It. And it it's yep. it, but as far as uh like I think in the long run can it be better maybe that's there's a high chance ability if you want to go with uh like uh, what we're, we're comfortable with high chance ability that they will one day be better. But I feel they're where four strokes were in 1997. You wouldn't yeah. be caught dead on it if you had to. Right? So, but like, right. eventually they became like the only thing you can ride to be competitive on. But I think guys are being held back by them. But the fact that they like, they have it on the OEM bike, like the Honda guys, nope, you got to run air. I'm like, well, and those guys are like, well, I'm, st- I'm not going to be able to compete on this, on this air, with this air forks because they're not where they need to be yet. Like I talked to uh, one of the suspension gurus locally and he's like, based on like, it, it's really cool technology. It's it's like when you pull it apart, it's got some neat ideas in there, but how it performs on the track, not like you can get, you can get right side up oil for like spring forks that perform 10 times what an air fork can right now. And that's basically where they're at.
1: Well, we all had air forks and air shocks in the seventies. They were standard on the 76 Yamaha. I mean, they they had this technology before it's, it's not, yes, it's always been lighter, but uh, the problem is how many people, number one, even check their tire pressure before they go riding, you know, much less you're going to check three air. I mean, yeah, if I haven't ridden in a month, I'll check it. Otherwise I don't bother with that. And I sure as heck don't want to have to go through, and check three air chambers to make sure they're all at the right pressure. It's just ridiculous, you know?
0: For sure. Like, I I, uh, I think that the Yamaha guys have a bit of a leg up the fact that they're going, uh, that they run uh, uh, the oil or the the spring fork. They just, it's dialed in. They know what they're looking for in terms of feel. Whereas I think a lot of these guys with um, with the air forks, A, you can make drastic differences based on a couple of PSI here or there. As well as like, if you're a bad tester and then you throw air forks at somebody, then you're like well, you're at a huge disadvantage. Game over. Uh, yeah. what's,
1: what's weird about that is like the the OEMs. Nobody has any illusion that that you know James Stewart or or Chad Reed or I any mean, of these guys are running you know Stock off the, uh showroom suspension. I mean, you, you take a look at the, the size of the forks on those, those like old bell-bottom forks. They were yeah. like the size of a, you know, a friggin' 40-ounce beer or something. They were humongous. And those obviously want OEM forks. I mean, that's part of the exotic nature of having a works bike. So why, why would they care? I mean, it, you would think if they're going to pay a guy a million dollars a year or more to race and win, you should give him what he can win on and mm-hmm. it's going to represent your brand. What looks better for the brand? You know, a guy out there like Trey Kennard struggling getting sixth or seventh because he's not happy with the suspension or running and running the air forks or giving him like the suspension that they want. And then they're winning. I mean, what is actually going to sell you more motorcycles? I, I mean, exactly. And nobody's, you know, going out and buying, uh, you know, work suspension for their stock bike. I mean, that's just doesn't happen. So I don't see what the big deal is. Letting the, the worst guys run the works, you know, spring fork.
0: Exactly. And the fact yeah. that I'm not yeah. too sure if you guys are familiar with, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, Mike um on worse. when when did honda have in the last 20 years they uh reported their worst sales were between what years
1: in the last 20 years
0: in their last 20 yeah. years they had their worst sales over a three year span uh what what years can you guys would you guys guess that those those years were
2: wow i, guess I don't after know. rc left
0: nope 02 03 04, their worst years on record.
1: Oh, that's Lost surprising because I know they they sold like I remember when the when the O2 450 came out. All of a sudden, every track you went to was nothing but that bike. But so I mean, the two strokes, yeah. though, were not very good those years. Really, the one four five two fifty were terrible.
0: A lot yeah. of people so were good. switching to good, like the 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 Cowie was great those years. Uh, Yamaha was the, the great. The, 03. the Yamaha was bulletproof. I know guys today that still ride a 2004 YZ250 because it's the best bike they'll ever that they'll ever own. Or the, or the 05 when they went to the aluminum frame. Like guys love that bike. Yep, so look at the bike. retail value oh, on them. Oh, crazy! I I, I guarantee yeah. I could probably get five or three grand minimum for both of my bikes, like like separately easily
2: yeah there's never been a dirt bike that has had a resale value like that <laughs> you know usually it's instantly half of what you paid
0: for it. exactly so uh I'm i mean I'm what are you gonna here.
1: what would you rather buy used like a force an o5 four stroke which you know is just like a ticking time I'm bomb where you buy like an o5 yz or kx and you're like okay well what's worse it happens i spent 300 bucks on a piston, and rings.
0: piston yeah. ring piston <laughs> ring uh a couple of yeah replace a couple of things put new rubbers on it grips plastic and you would brand new bike.
2: Exactly. Pretty much.
0: Yeah. Like honestly, like my I don't know. I should have show. I should have taken a picture of my 125 pre like August this year because I I took it home for like I I really I raced that thing when I was 15. I never wrenched on it myself. I was brutal in the garage and I hit the ground a lot because I sucked. So uh, that thing was in. (laughs) work terrible disrepair like the seat and everything was the same but like the plastics were all faded and busted up from me crashing so much and like the pipe had a bunch of dents in it i had a buddy of mine uh take all the dents out with uh some air pressure and some heat and now it looks like james stewart's bike from whatever like from 04 so like but up till then it looked like crap but some plastics decals which is how we say it in canada um or decals
2: uh, deckles is what I, yeah,
0: deckles, yeah, we have de uh we have a deckle kit <laughs> on the bike and um it, it yeah it looks like a million bucks so like and and it performs great like suspension's a little bit bagged mm-hmm. out for a guy who's at two hundred and fifteen pounds but uh nevertheless like, you get yourself a, a great bike, which I think we can. I guess the three of us can talk about it because we're, we're all three, uh, we're all two stroke guys. Uh, in my opinion, five years from now, I don't know if you'll see a guy, uh, someone racing it in, uh, professionally, but I think uh, you'll see a uh, one of those big, one of the, uh, one of the big five bring a two stroke back. I, I'd hope yeah,
1: so. I think they should. To see that happen. I don't think Honda think will do should. it because they're so anti two stroke, but.
0: Yeah, I think they like the fact that they'd even got rid of the 80, they made a huge statement that like we're leaving that technology behind. But I could definitely see Kawasaki or even Suzuki bring it back, uh, if anything, just to like to increase their market share as well as uh, have a representation uh, in Europe because now they, of course, they have the 125 series. And even if they just brought 252 strokes back, like I understand that 125s, although hashtag 125. 125's rule uh, is is getting some uh, some serious hits these days. Um, two, the 252 stroke is a much more uh, usable bike than than the 125.
2: Yeah, I don't for know for how sure. any factory can look at what KTM is doing and not think that they should try to emulate that. I mean, for sure.
0: You mean spending you know, I mean, money and and uh, and developing motorcycles? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey,
2: what a combination.
0: Yeah, like weird, uh, spending money and 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 also branding yourself like a racing. Like we are a racing brand. Um, there, I KTM's doing some great stuff. But um,
1: just so I'm I, like, more worried that Suzuki's going to be gone altogether. Is what I'm concerned about. Today this won't even be around. Still, nobody
0: years. riding their bikes for for uh, 250Fs this year. No. Yeah, I know it's
1: sad. Well, not a you know, it's not looking good. I mean, they don't have the money. And I talk a buddy of mine. You know, he owns a local shop and said, you know, Suzuki, they're they're bread and butter with like the, you know, the, the sport bikes and stuff and that market has really tanked since like 08-09 since the crash and stuff and I, I just think it's a, if there's so much going, you know, in the wrong direction for Suzuki, it's pretty concerning, you know.
0: For sure, I couldn't What are they more. selling? Sorry?
1: What is Suzuki selling besides the DRZs?
3: <laughs>
1: well, I mean, they have obviously their, their sport bikes and stuff and then, you know, the RMs okay. and uh, they still have, okay. I think they, you know, they still have a fair, fairly good presence in quads and stuff like that. But, you know, their they're bread and butter, you know, the things that that always made them a lot of money, were like the GSXRs and stuff. And they, um, yeah. the issues now is, you know, with the way credit is and and you know insurance and th- the people that want those hot rod bikes can't get them insured now, can't get loans on them, and it's really hurt their business, you know. And that was. A lot of their core business, you know, motocross has never been a moneymaker for any of these brands to any great extent. That's why KTM is very unique in that respect, that the, the whole dirt bike model has been very profitable for them. But, you know, most of the you know, Hondas, they made their money in like quads and street bikes and things, you know. Dirt exactly. bikes are a small niche, you know. And when the when the, the bread and butter gets dried up, then you're in serious business, you know. And then they had the whole car division go bankrupt last year and, you know, not trending not, 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 in the right direction there, you know.
0: No, not at all. Uh, Honestly, I don't even know what a Suzuki 250F looks like anymore. It's probably similar to their 450, but... um, It looks just like a
1: 2010 Suzuki 250F. Most likely, yeah. (laughs) If I I can remember
0: uh, Blake Wharton racing that back in 2013... Uh, or I guess yeah, 2013 they, they had a couple of bikes out there with uh, Anderson and whatnot, and like yeah, they just completely fell out the bottom. And where in, in, a, in a world where Husqvarna has more bikes on the line than Suzuki, I don't know if I want to live in that world.
1: I know that's pretty crazy. And I mean, I, I bought a new <laughs> a new 21507, and, and my my uh, good buddy just bought a 14 leftover. And I swear to God, they 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 look exactly the same. You know, yeah. it hasn't changed in all that time either. You know, it's got. The main difference is the new ones fuel injected and the O 7 wasn't but you know cosmetically and stuff there's not a lot of difference there.
0: Totally. Yeah, it's um, I, I don't know what the the the, the, the idea is there is to just keep it the one one look. Uh, it's it's an attractive looking more. So it's not bad whatsoever but at some point it's going to it starts to look outdated like if you saw a 2006 or yeah, the 2006 or even the 04 250F from Kawasaki or Suzuki sitting next oh, yeah. to uh, a new bike, you're like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. It's but,
1: I just think they don't have the money. I mean, I think it's yeah. just a purely, they don't have the money to redesign the bike. I mean, that's plain and simple. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, they're, they're like treading water, but if you don't, if they don't come out with some, you spectacular bike that, that yeah. sets the world on fire, eventually they're just going to shrivel on the vine and die. I mean, that's where, that's just who, who buys an RMZ? 250 anymore. You know, unless it's like a leftover when you get for 5 grand. I mean, uh, you know, you'd buy the Kawasaki or you'd buy the KTM or the, even the Yamaha now. You know, if you're serious about winning, you're not buying the 6-year-old design. It's just not going to happen, you know.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. Um All right, All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Alberson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Suburb, Manitoba has you covered. Check that out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. Call toll-free at one 482 7782 Boom. Westside Cereal B's emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. So what do you think of Rich Taylor? Lighter than hair
2: and stronger than steel. So what that means it can move much faster.
0: 2014 X brand Goggles is back and better than ever. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal, whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full-blown rebuild on your forks. Or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 2722 six three three twenty seven twenty two. Let's get let's jump back into this because I I have I've got my uh, recording software back up and running. Literally crashed on me out of nowhere. And we were talking a little bit about Weston Pike, and I'd like to get your guys's uh, opinion on his hiring. Um were you surprised to see that Weston Pike gets gets a ride for two thousand and fourteen? I I think he kinda he had earned himself one based on uh going out there and doing his own thing from the from privateer effort. Um but if he doesn't get that ride, who deserved it? Mike.
2: Um uh, you know, for me I think the best guy that doesn't really have that big factory right now is probably Jake Weimer. Yeah Jake Weimer. Yeah. Um but you know, Weston put in the tie, put in the results. I mean, he had, you know, consistent top, you know, between five and ten. Um, and I think you can expect more of that again from him this year. Um, you know, the guy's just a hammer. And, uh, you know, if you're a factory and you're, you know, you're having trouble keeping that number one guy, you can't really go wrong having a guy that was going to just be a fan favorite and consistently in that top five to ten position. So right. I don't think you know, I don't think it was a bad signing by any means by JGR. Um, you know, I think he's kind of got a little bit of that kind of folk following, too, because, you know, he's just tough with nails. I mean, where was it last year? He just hit the track so hard and he got up and he's like, I don't break.
0: Oakland. Remember that?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do remember that. Oh, right. okay. yeah.
0: Was it Phoenix? Yeah,
2: he's like, he's like I don't break. And it, it's just, you know, so to me, you know, Western School, he's another one's kind of outside that typical mold. And, uh, you know, I, you know, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him just continue what he did and maybe even improve.
0: I just like that he proves that big men can go fast too, because like the the yep. idea that everyone has to be a jockey at 110 pounds uh, is starting to weigh on a guy who, uh, like, literally like uh, starting to get a little bit of a complex being uh, plus 200 on these things.
2: <laughs> yeah, West is wide, man. I stood next to him going into uh, the Meadowlands. I mean. I'm six three and he's not you know, I wouldn't consider him Paul by any means next to me, but he's he is wide through the shoulders. That's oh yeah. Sure.
0: I met him in Vegas and the guy like he's not wearing a chest protector and he looks like he should be playing middle linebacker for uh the uh the Redskins who which uh or the, the, the Washington football franchise that uh um, <laughs> that, that you love so much there, uh <laughs> Tony. Who actually he got a today. win today? Everybody gets one apparently.
1: I, I know. We get two a year and that's that's our quota. Fucking rights, man. <laughs> uh,
0: no, a guy deserves he should be playing football and uh, or or something along those lines, but I love to see the guy get a ride. Uh, and you're totally right, Mike. He's a bit of a folk hero now. He's got the like the nihilist slash like just being a yeah. tough mudder altogether. Like he just like he's one of those guys that like mud race, don't care. Dry, don't care. Sand, whatever. I'm going to go fast, and uh, if we're going to use, like, uh, like to try and dip into uh, Steve's vocabulary every once in a while, if we're going to talk about triples, if you're going to have a, a higher, like, that, your, if you're going to pick your highest performing triple, I think you got to take Weston Pike.
3: Yep. I think, I think
2: I, think he's, I was going to say, with sorry. Weston, to me, if you, had, if you had to pick an alternate career for him, I'd pick Navy SEAL, because he's, yes. like, just badass, tough guy that never quits. You know
0: for sure I think if, if I'm uh, if I'm in distress I want Weston Pike uh, hauling my ass out of there because as I'm screaming for uh, for someone to come save me he'd probably just grab me by the scruff of the neck and throw me on his back and just run <laughs>
2: there you go
0: full stride uh, let's let's just jump straight bo- straight into uh, the 450 predictions uh, and this is where I like this is where I felt like it'd be a great opportunity to drop uh, a stat on you Uh Care to get... Uh, actually, I'll first of all have you guys guess. How many guys do you think uh, are receiving full bore factory support uh, f- for their motorcycles this year uh, in uh, Supercross? You guys want to guess? Mike? Eight. Eight? I'm going to guess 12. Try 15. Wow. Wow. That's I'll awesome. read them off for you. Ryan Dungey, Dean Wilson, Justin Justin Barsha, Justin Brayton, Andrew Short, uh, Jason A- Jason Anderson, Weston Pike, Cole Seeley, Trey Kennard, Eli Tomac, Blake War- or Blake Baggett. Now Blake Warden is pumping gas now. Uh, <laughs> Blake Baggett, guitar. Brock Tickle, Ken Roxon, Davey Millsaps, Will Hahn, Chad Reed, and Josh Grant. And if you want to throw Burner in there too, I guess he's still like he'll he'll have a pretty sweet setup as well. So uh, if if no matter how the chips fall at Anaheim, if in any particular order, any number of these guys could end up fifteenth.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's amazing.
0: That's ridiculous. Like I, I obviously you'd probably think that if anyone's going to f- finish fifteenth, you're probably talking about either Weston Pike, Andrew Short, or. Blake Baggett but every single one of those guys I just I'm looking at this these guys and I'm scratching my head I'm like are they just going to be on top of each other like how like how can you have a 15-way battle for first
1: I think you say uh, the same thing every year though when you go in yeah it's gonna be exciting somebody will crash somebody will have a bad start you know it's kind of I think it'll be interesting because without Poto in there you probably see a lot of guys that think okay I, this is my opportunity and uh, really, really go for the win, you know.
0: Absolutely, no. It's, it definitely opens the door for some uh, some possibilities. Um, prediction time. Uh, who do you guys? Who do you guys feel like? Obviously, like I'm, I'm a big proponent of a guy like um, Justin Barsha. I think that he's going to have a really good season. But uh, if I had to pick a guy, bef- like before Christmas even starts, who's going to have the number one play at the end of the year? I'm thinking it's either Ken Roxon or, uh, or or Trey Yeah, i with people. you on that, uh, Mike. Who's I, your uh, who, who do you like this year for, for 450 Supercross?
2: You know, I'm, I would pick a, a, a pick Trey
0: I think I think he's
2: got the, I think he, yeah, I think he's just coming into the season confident. For what I'm hearing, and uh, from other people that have been watching and practice, it's just blazing speed right now. He's just happy. He's good on the bike. I think he's in a good place in his life. He's healthy, he's strong. Yeah, I think he's gonna yeah, I think Trey's gonna I think this gonna be his year.
0: For sure. And uh Tony, I know uh you like the red guys uh and of course I think you're a bit of a cool Seely fan. So uh so uh who uh how do you how do you feel the guys in red are gonna do?
1: Um, well, I tell you, if I had to say, like, if I want some, want somebody to win the title, I would love it to be Trey Kennard. I mean, if I'd be rooting for one guy to win it this year, it would definitely be Trey, especially after he's such an awesome dude and everything he's been through. I'd love to see that happen. I'm, I'm a little leery just because he does have the habit of sometimes pushing the edge of the envelope to the point where it bites him. Um, so that would be my only concern that he would be, I think he's probably going to be the fastest guy, at times, I'm not so sure that he's going to be the most consistent guy, which is really what you need to win the title, which would say if I if I had to put like 100 bucks on it right now, I would probably bet on Ryan Dungey probably taking the title just because I I think he's going to be there every week, and I don't think he'll probably be the fastest guy. That's not really his MO usually. But if he's getting seconds and thirds, and you got somebody like a canard or Millsaps winning here and there but getting a 10th or a 12th, I think in the end, he's probably going to come out. I mean, he's finished second. People don't realize how, you know, he's almost second every year. Lots of um, points. Yeah, a lot,
3: lot yeah, of podiums. I mean, podiums.
1: exactly. And if you don't have a guy like Villapoto racking off nine wins, uh, you know, second and thirds with the win here and there is good enough to get the title usually. Most of these guys aren't – like Chad, he, he win a race, but then he'll, you know, beat it in the whoops or something. You know, that's the thing. You need to be consistent and – I, I, unfortunately, other than Trey's first year, you know, in the 125 class, he hasn't really been that consistent in Supercross. You know, he's usually, you know, a little all over the map. But maybe I hope Mike's right. I, I hope he wins. I mean, if I'm rooting for one guy to win, it's it's him. You
0: know, for sure. Like I, I actually kind of hope that this year we have some extreme parity. Like I would love a world. I'd love to live in the world where the Supercross champion has four wins and just as many sixth place finishes.
3: Yeah, yeah you, you like,
2: Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, what I'd like to see is, I'd like to see it come down to the last race and like five guys with a shot of winning the championship. Yes. And just because we've seen a season of like, you don't know who's going to win from week to week and every week it's a different winner. I mean, that's the kind of season I would love to see. I, I think it's possible this year too.
0: Definitely. I can I can definitely see it at Vegas seeing at least three guys who have a serious shot at it maybe maybe another guy with an outside chance who isn't mathematically eliminated because yeah like like Dungey's a consistent guy like I think he's going to be steady Eddie I think he'll have like his three wins but he'll be lurking in the shadows for anyone to have a big mistake if there's anyone with a factory ride who I'm worried about being extremely underwhelming this year it's Dean Wilson
3: Yeah
1: interesting
0: uh, what's your
1: thoughts there, Tony? Well, I guess the, there's no doubt he has the speed to run up front. He probably has the speed to win, you know, if he doesn't uh, have a you know brain fade or an arm pump issue at the halfway mark. You know, that's been the issue with him is he seems to have a serious problem with the arm pump, kind of like, uh, you know, Robbie Rayner and some of these guys back in the day who are so fast, but then mm-hmm. the arms pump up at the halfway point and they start going backwards. So I, I think it's one of those things where you have to, like, uh, he has to show us that that he's capable of holding on to that thing for 20 laps and taking it home, you know?
0: For sure, yeah. I think uh, consistency is going to be something that Dean needs to work on and and, and just finishing strong. Like I, Like, I know the guy can run up front, but if you run up front and either crash yourself out of the race because of arm pump or you fade back to sixth, like, is it better to not go as hard and end up third then fade to sixth, like in, in your guys' opinion, or is it maybe like uh, to ride in sixth the whole time? The, like what what's what's your thoughts on that,
1: Mike? I think it's you know, obvious. Oh God, <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Sorry, I thought I thought you were
2: going back and forth with tone. Um, yeah, I think he's. I think a lot of the younger guys need to learn how to, you know, kind of tune it down just down a little bit. Take that, you know back off just a little bit and ride consistently. Um, but to me, the the three guys that I find the most interesting as to how they're going to do kind of in that category, is definitely Dean. Um, I think Blake Baggett is going to be really interesting on the 450 as well. I don't, I don't see him like setting the world on fire on the 450 class. He's fl- um, he's flying he, so
0: far under the radar. I'm not sure if he's racing.
2: Yeah. And then <laughs> my last guy and I like the kid, and I hope he does well. I don't see Cole Sealy succeeding in the 450 class. And I think what his problem is going to be is I think he's going to get pushed around, kind of like what happened to Jake Weimer. Um, you know, I don't think he has that chip on his shoulder. No. Like, you saw it with his matchups against Jason Anderson, where Jason would just come in and clean his clock, and that was it. It was done, you know? Yeah, he and, doesn't uh,
0: have that killer instinct the way uh, yeah. Jason Anderson does. Who, who, like, yeah, he like since, since actually it kind of goes back to their amateur careers uh collapse uh, kind of coming on the scene similar time i guess maybe a little bit yep. uh before but if you remember jason anderson was a bad dude on uh yep. on the amateurs and it, like by that i mean like he was not to be messed with he was there to come in and he was he was like a really aggressive rider uh he made things happen he Pretty much brought that to the the pro ranks. Other than kind of getting uh, sidetracked a little bit his first year, he's got thing. He's on now on the All-In Baker program. You take that aggression that he has, which kind of mirrors, uh, I wouldn't say like Carmichael esque but maybe let's say Barsha ask, and uh, combined with that speed in that in, in like when when you add that uh, like that that combination, um, he's going to come out ahead. And I think yeah, you're right. Seely is uh, as much as like. Both him and Weimer extremely fast. Not saying they're not fast; they're just kind of like they don't they don't push back. And I'd say that's the same yeah. for a Brock Tickle. That's uh, I'd say if I'm looking down anywhere else down the line, that's a little bit like a a little bit like a Blake Baggett as well. Some of these guys that when they're put in their place, they stay there. Whereas yep. you do that to Josh Grant or you do that to Ken Roxon or any of these guys, they're like, hey, no, I'm the man and they make it happen right then and there.
2: Yep. yep.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's
2: going to be interesting. You know, it's to use a football analogy, it's kind of like a outstanding wide receiver from college going to the NFL and, you know, matching up against pro D-backs. You know, exactly. it's going to be a, a whole new program when they get, you know, all of a sudden all these guys are just as fast as them, if not faster. Um, you know, I think Cole or, uh not Cole but Jason Anderson is definitely flying under the radar coming into the season. I think he might shock some people uh, this season, especially, you know, being down there in the bakery uh, yeah. and training with those guys. So, it's, yeah, I think I think he's going to do well. It's a question of how he adjusts to that Tuskevara.
0: Yeah, or like uh, I guess it's, uh, for the most part, still a, a KTM, which he, he grew up on KTMs. He was on them until uh, the end of the year uh, or at the end of his amateur career. Rode them for a short period of time uh, on the 250s. Obviously, uh, I think he likes the motorcycle, and uh, I, I think you're right. After, uh, outside of the first three races, I think you, I think Jason Anderson. If he doesn't have a podium, he's got to win.
2: Yep. Yeah, I can see him. I can see it happening for sure. For sure.
0: Like you know what I mean? If he's not top three, he's definitely got to win. Like he's either not on the box, or he uh, he he or he's he's gonna have a he's gonna be on the top three, and he's gonna have a podium performance. Uh, if not for sure a win, like uh, he's he's got a, a he's got a great attitude. The the bakery is um, has been known for obviously the last better part of fifteen years for pumping out championship at, champion after champion, uh, and I think it's a proven motorcycle. Clearly, uh, obviously, with having. Uh, Dungy and Roxon racing it last year. I'm sure they have a ton of data to work off of for Supercross. Uh, it's basically unchanged from their, the, the KTM Works bike from last year, or I guess the factory bike from last year. So I think he's in a good spot. Um, another guy that I think is going to do well, but it might take him a while, is uh, is Davey Millsaps. I think uh, he's going to take a little... He's going to need a few races to warm up, although I guess he didn't really uh, for... Uh, hmm the um, monster cup ended up winning that on. Of course, he kind of got handed that with the fact that Trey uh, uh, crashed that one out of, uh, out of his contention. But uh, Davy Millsaps by the halfway point will be contending for wins. I think.
2: Oh man, he looks so good at the monster cup, did not he? He's yeah. so good on the hard track. So he's so good on those hard track.
0: Bit Don't you know that like, don't you notice that taller guys, like, I don't know if you noticed or have noticed, but over the years, like, taller guys have always been better with uh, like uh, throttle control. Kevin Windham, yeah. uh, Pastrana, like he's like they're always they have to be so like they're they're always really good with uh, like like tight or not tight stuff, but like uh, hard pack. Like David Villeman, another guy who was great with throttle control um and same thing with Millsaps I think he's about six foot two uh, if if not a little shorter than that but uh yeah he, he's he he he's able to get around the track when when the traction matters and that does happen to be mostly west coast races so uh first portion of the year uh I don't think he's going to win a one but I think he's going to be a contender uh for sure the first part of the season Oh, well, that's
3: what
2: I was going to say about a one is if Anderson came in or when there basically be history repeating itself with Roxon last year, you know, as was a 450 rookie under, you know, Alden Baker's when winning the race. So it'd be interesting
0: for sure. Like uh, oh, obviously that last would year, with, Bad, wouldn't shock me either. Like last year, uh, Roxen taking the win this year, uh, Anderson taking the win. Um, just, just kind of like proving that the proof is in the pudding that the, uh, um, The program works. Um, Any guys who you feel like uh, might have lost a step going from last year to this year? Someone who comes to mind is Andrew Short. Has the uh, has he is he done? Like uh, like it has the time expired on uh, Andrew Short? I don't
2: think so. I think you're going to see the same Andrew Short. I think if anything, he's he's getting better with
1: age. But what do you think, Tom? I agree, actually. I think, um, and I, I would definitely be careful what you say. You're going to get some ugly package from Moser, but um, <laughs> I I think that Shorty will probably be the same guy he was. I mean, he's been he's been the same consistent guy for the last decade, really. I mean, he's he's a solid top ten guy. I mean, yeah, he's not really a threat probably to pull off a, a upset win like he did in Seattle a couple of years ago, but um, I think he's he'd be right there. I mean, the, the, if I had to say one guy I'm concerned about is uh, my guy Chad Reed. I mean, he looked so not great over the summer um, that it concerns me. I mean, obviously, he's a year older. It's hard to come back from that kind of stuff after the injuries he had last year and stuff. I I would be concerned. I would love to see him come back and set, set the world on fire again, which, you know, shocked me last year. But that's the one guy I would be concerned about. So I wonder if he comes out and he's getting, you know, the same kind of results he's getting outdoors after two or three rounds of his heart is no longer in it. And he just says, you know, kind of rides it out, you know,
0: for sure. I think when it comes to Chad Reed, it's a case of, um, you gotta, like, to, to make a comeback like that, you have to believe, or at least make it known that you believe in yourself to go fast again, that you can still do this. But, in my heart of hearts, and if if I'm if I'm looking like to like sit down and have an honest and frank conversation with Chad Reed, I'm like Chad, do you do you have another like do you have more wins in? You? And if he if, if you were to like have some like some sort of truth serum for him to swallow, um, I, I I think you you he would admit that even he doubts himself a little bit. Um, there's very few guys who have been able to to do something that like he's what he's he's hoping to do. And, like, not just come back and do a Kevin Wyndham thing where you win your one race of the year when, like, the conditions are adverse or he happens to have one night where he's just untouchable. He's coming back talking like he's going to win this mother. So, but I think in his heart of hearts, he doubts himself a little bit. What do you guys think, Tony?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, that's the one thing that's interesting about Chad is he doesn't seem to um, – lack for confidence you know i mean look at all those years that he was getting you know beat down by carmichael and he just kept coming back and coming back i i don't know that if there's anybody that i would believe in the whole field that that could think okay i'm just going to show everybody and win this it's chad but by the same token it seems that when things start going the wrong direction uh it seems to kind of spiral out of control like he he's had shown in the past that if you know, he'll stop training or whatever, you know, it's kind of, he kind of gets his head uh, twisted around and his heart's not in it anymore. And I think his results show, um, you know, in the last couple of outdoors where things weren't going his way, he's just like kind of written off, you know, he didn't, obviously didn't want to be there. Listen to the way he was at the monster cup. He, he was pretty, you know, pretty clear about the fact he didn't want to be there except for sponsors. So I, I think if his heart is in it and he, and he does believe in himself, he'll be a threat. Um, but if things go sideways, you know, I think it can get pretty ugly, pretty quick. I'd
0: agree. He seems what's, to really uh, what's your wanting. thoughts, Mike?
1: Mike? Yeah, Chad,
2: from what I'm seeing and from what I'm hearing, um, he seems to be pretty motivated going into the season. Oh yeah. And when you think of the speed that he was riding at, like I just went back and what was it? A two that he won last year? Oakland. The first race. No, oh, he won before that. He, he uh,
0: that was RV who won Oakland. Uh, yeah,
2: it, That was the the second race. I think it was A2. It was either A2 or A3 that he won. A2, yeah. He won A2, I think. And look, I went back and watched it. Man, he came from like sixth or seventh to win that race, and he was just, you know, he was on another level against those guys. And, you know, if not for that freak accident where he got hurt, who knows how last season would have wound up. Um, So I think he still has the speed, and I think he's... uh, you know I think he stays healthy with his motivation. I think he's very happy with the bike setup. I think he's gonna be tender for sure um and then going back to the question on a rider that might have lost the step, I think my most likely guy is Josh grant um Agreed. you know i think he's I think he's got the family thing going. I think he's- and I don't know if it, it's lost or he's just kind of decided to you know not kind of put the balls on the crossbar, so to speak as much as he did yeah um you know. <laughs>
0: So, These things happen. Well, it's tough to get them out there every once in a while, especially if maybe his wife has cut him off in terms of how many kids they can have. He might not have <laughs> balls at all anymore.
2: I doubt that, but you know, it's uh, it's you know, I think he's kind of getting to that point in his life where he's ready not to, uh, you know, to just ride on the edge so much.
0: Yeah, like you've even Crash, heard crashing uh, hurts. You know, crashing does yep. hurt. Uh, for the, uh, we've all been on motorcycles. We all know that uh, hitting the ground is next to no fun. Um, and yeah, like, like he's he's had a, a long career. As far like like most people uh, would be surprised to know that he turned pro in two thousand and four. He's going on eleven years in this racket, and uh, I think like you know, to take a page out of JT's book is that maybe he doesn't want to go that fast anymore. Like he's always yeah. kind of been like, a, I want to do a be a free ride guy. I'd like to go cruise around and throw ridiculous whips, which I think is something that he can do for the next twenty years, probably, or maybe not twenty years, but probably the next ten years. Like I said, Jeff, Jeff Stanton has been uh, reported as uh, saying he jumps better now than he did back when he was winning championships, but. Um, yeah, I, I, think that he's going to kind of ride off into the sunset after a couple of decent years. Uh, I, I don't think he, I think he's got a couple, at least a couple more years left in him like this and one more maybe, or this and two more. Uh, but I think him being a podium threat, uh, is, is kind of, uh, done for as, for as far as his racing goes. I think he kind of falls into the, uh, the Andrew Short, uh, Justin Brayton, uh, a category as far as uh, as as riders who are really uh, being competitive out there. Um, who at the end of the year if one of these guys doesn't have a win, who who would be the biggest surprise of a guy who doesn't win one for you guys?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. That is a good question.
0: Like are so saying... like, like all the guys like the the 17 rounds uh who out of the biggest contenders we're talking? Will Hahn, Davy Millsaps, Chad Reed, Ken Roxon, uh Eli I mean, Tomac, uh Trey Kennard, Barsha, and uh, Dean Wilson and Dungey. Out of those, I guess we named off about seven guys. Out of those seven guys, I don't think we're gonna have seven winners, so pick one that's not going in.
2: Like it's you're saying.
0: Okay. Would you be surprised by that though?
2: Uh no, not really.
0: Okay, so like who who would surprise you like wow, like that guy didn't get oh, in this he year? Oh, didn't. Oh, uh, okay.
2: That is a good one. I so I didn't understand the question before. Um go ahead, John
1: i would say if I had to say one guy that would be the biggest surprise if he didn't win, I would say it'd be Ken Roxon. If he goes over to that RCA Suzuki and doesn't win a single round, that would be a yeah. huge shock.
0: Fair enough. I, yeah, I, but I
2: have sure.
0: Uh I definitely have him as a favorite for the for the championship. If I was to pick someone who seems to be coming in like he feels like he's on the on the on the right foot and he's he's uh, kind of reevaluated from last year. He looks like he's he's been doing some great things in the test test track. Is Will Hahn? Will Hahn to me seems like a guy who's ready to set this thing on fire. And uh, if he doesn't, if he is like uh, cool. like like to use the term underwhelming, if he's if he's that rider who doesn't quite perform to the expectations of everyone, I'm not sure what you guys expect out of him. But if he's not even close to that, I think that I'd be very surprised. I think he's poised to uh, rattle off a couple, at least. I think maybe not like a, he's not a really? streak. Sorry,
1: I, I said really. I was that surprises me. He's like, not a I streaky would, guy, me, but I
0: think he can pull one.
1: Yeah, I'd be surprised that be if shocked, he won. Like, Nothing like against world. Yeah. Me too. I would be shocked if he won. Honestly, to me, he's more of a Jake Weimer, okay. fast yeah. guy, podium threat, maybe. Brock Tickle. Obviously yeah. on the right neck, Brock Tickle. Um, but yeah. I just don't think he has that raw speed you need to win. You know, I can be wrong. but Fastest
0: qualifier a couple times.
2: That's true. Here's yeah, a question wow. for you guys. <laughs> here's, here's my question is, can Eli get into Rockington? If he starts knocking him off a few times, can he get into Rockington and kind of shake his confidence? Because we know that Eli could beat him back in the 250 days.
0: Oh, yeah. Don't think that that like that psychological warfare hasn't even like those guys. I guarantee they're in each other's heads nonstop. I guarantee they're not following each other on Instagram just so they don't want to see how awesome <laughs> each other are doing.
1: Yeah, yep. I'd love to see. I hope he lies up to speed this year. You know, because I was kind of disappointed with how things went in Supercross last year. It kind yep. of obviously got off the. To- a rough start, and he never really, he never really got back up to speed, to be honest. So I was kind of disappointed well, with that first season, and I, I would love to see him come out and uh, share some of that speed he had in the outdoors, you know, in the Supercross series. It could be really interesting.
0: Mike, I agree. I think that um, Eli Tomac is in a great position because of his bad season. I think he's one of those guys who gets hungry. When he loses, I think he's got an extreme competitor in his father and his in his corner, who's going to coach him through being able to get over a, a season like that. I think he's going to come out um, just like guns a blazing. I think he's going to be in great shape. I know he's not going to be he's not going to be getting tired, and I think he's going to be uh, a guy who you can expect a couple of wins out of. Um, they've, they've changed the suspension. I think he's happier on whatever he's on right now. It's the KYB stuff. Uh, and, um, in, in my opinion, I, I think that at the, at the year's end, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Eli Tomac with more points than, uh, Ken Roxton. Not going to say he's going to win the championship, but I think, uh, as far as, the, like, a battle between those two go, would not surprise me to see Eli Tomac in front.
2: That'd be fun. That would definitely be fun. One thing I've always wondered about Eli, and I think it's more pertinent to outdoors and Supercross, but... You know, he trains and lives in Colorado at, what, probably six 8,000 feet, something like that. Uh, correct, and, yeah. Yeah, I've always wondered if you might see kind of a, a shift change in, in where riders practice, uh, where he definitely has a big advantage when he goes down from the altitude. Um, you know, it's almost like doing EPO. But I've always wondered like that, if you start seeing Eli, you know, getting a lot of success racing, Racing at sea level, when he trains at yeah at, in the mountains, and people might start going like, "Hey, wait a second, maybe I have to go up to altitude and train."
0: For sure, actually, yeah. If you like, we're if we're if we're using uh, oxygen as fuel for these guys, um, them having like him being able to get that much more oxygen to his system um, throughout a race day uh, is is a definite advantage. Um, like it like as far as like from from my knowledge, um, when I used to ski here on the prairies where it's flat as a board, I believe we're at about five hundred feet above sea level at my house here, and I would go compete in the mountains where we're seven thousand, eight thousand feet. Um, it, it was night and day. I, like the the skiers over there, although like for for moguls, we're just doing a like a thirty second run, forty second run. Like throughout a, a competition day, it was uh, a whole different ball game. Those guys were fresh, whereas uh, yep. like we can't even like the sleep isn't even the same uh, when you're when you're up at that altitude. So uh, that's a that's a good observation from you there, Mike. Uh, thinking outside the box, I like it.
2: Yeah, a little bit.
0: Um, so just to wrap up the 450s a little bit, I think uh, we can all agree that we're in for some great racing. Uh, I think we're going to have some close competitions. I hope that we don't lose a lot of guys to injury uh, because we have had some seasons where we look, we we go into the season licking our chops, thinking these guys are going to have drag out wars and and it's going to be some tight racing all the way back to tenth place, uh, and and we don't end up getting that for whatever reason. But uh, um, I, I, I hope for good racing and uh, I hope for uh, uh, some, some for some success from some of those rookie riders. Who uh, would would definitely not only benefit from it, but it would ni- be nice to see some new guys up front. You guys agree?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, absolutely.
0: All right, so let's talk a little bit about the two fifties. I know we're we're a hundred and we're uh, hundred and seventeen minutes. We're an seventeen minutes into this thing, uh, which of course I knew we would go long, just because it, honestly. Like, let's be honest, if we were, if the three of us were sitting around a campfire before or after a race day, we'd be going to bed at like 3 o'clock in the morning because none of us would (laughs) stop talking.
2: (laughs) Pretty much it. Well, we had the tape delay too, so.
0: Exactly, yeah. We had our tape delay. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Audacity on my uh, my recording software liked to crash on me at the 30-minute 30, 30 mark, uh, to which we, we we went on a tangent about uh, about two strokes and bike development for about 15 minutes. But that's fine. It's all good uh, radio. I'm sure uh, the Big MX listeners will, uh, will not mind whatsoever. Um, so let's talk 250s a, a, for a short bit. Um, KTM is bringing... Marvin Mooskan, uh Darren Durham, Justin Hill, uh Jesse Nelson, and Shane McElrath uh to the uh to the races. Husky has uh Martin Davalos, Zach uh Zach Osborne, Zach Bell, and I think somebody else, but I can't remember. Uh Honda has Jordan Smith, Matt Bishalia, who, in my opinion, um Basically, he's 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 product of having a fairly lean year where like that was kind of like the after the AC or like AC had kind of like gotten out of it, so uh, he would have been kind of like a fourth fifth guy as an amateur. But because AC had decided to pull it pull the go to go to the Nationals early rather than going to Loretta's, he kind of looked better than he was coming in. Uh, RJ Hampshire and uh, Malcolm Stewart, who regrettably is back on a two fifty. Um and Yamaha, uh Anthony Rodriguez, uh Alex Martin, Cooper Webb, and uh Aaron Plessinger. Kawasaki comes to the table with uh Bowers, Tonis, and Savachi. What are our thoughts, boys? Uh,
2: Chris Aldridge, too, right?
0: And Chris Aldridge, sorry, yes.
2: Yeah, no worries. I think uh I think Aldrich is gonna surprise a lot of people this year. Right. And you know, another guy that I think is massively flying under the radar in the 250 class is Setacci. Yeah, I think he's going to do really well, and nobody is talking about him right now.
0: I think that, and that that can be a benefit to some of these riders. Not only does it develop a little bit of a chip on their shoulder that, like, hey, no one's asking me for an interview, no one's talking about my progress, I'm going to just keep do over here. I'm going to do my thing, and uh, and make some stuff happen.
2: Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly what you're going to see too, and it's. Uh, you know, it's never a bad thing to have a rider with that kind of talent. coming in a little bit angry.
0: So. For sure. Like we're not going to talk about any any real coasts because uh, you and I or us three, we don't know who's riding where. Uh, we can make some predictions on on or where someone guys would like to ride. Uh, and we know that uh, guys like Justin Starling and uh, um, uh, what's his name there, uh, the Rippa uh I don't Jimmy DeCotas Dakota. will be on the East. I think he's planning I don't think he's doing any four fifty rounds. Um uh, but uh a guy like the seventy four or sixty four of AJ Captain
1: uh, Zero Captain zero. zero,
0: he's gonna race some four fifty uh, races at the beginning yep. of the year. Yep. He's on a Suzuki.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, is it- <laughs> is it me or is the West
2: Coast always a little bit more stacked than the East Coast? On the oh, spot? for sure.
0: Well, I think not only yeah. like that's kind of the coast to ride. Like if you want to like do well on one coast, it's that one. As well as you got so many guys from the the West Coast uh, who uh, who are like just bad dudes on motocross bikes, the two hundred and fifty dudes. Like they have um, that's where all of them train. That's where all of them ha- Like that's where all the teams are out of. So and of course uh, TLD doesn't go east. Uh, at all, uh, for a while, there's a couple of KTM teams that didn't go east at all. So that's kind of been where um, privateers go to hide and, and get some great results. I, I guess you're gonna have a guy like Vince Freeze, who like he would be a like, for lack of a better word, like full blown crumb. He'd be put. He'd be like pushing a lawnmower on the west coast, but he's gonna grab a podium on the east. So. Like if you want to do well <laughs> as a rider who doesn't quite have the speed, I guess East is the way to go. Unfortunately, like uh, I hope no riders are listening to this. <laughs> the well, racing always seems to be great. Good. Oh yeah, the racing is great. Like I think that it's just uh, um, that's a product of the uh, the talent level on both. Like you can have great racing without imma- in- immensely talented riders. I think you guys would agree with that. Yeah, for oh,
2: sure. Absolutely.
0: Because you Here's don't need to have like ten guys going, like like the difference between a race of guys turning forty second lap times and the uh, guys a race of guys doing fifty second lap times. Like the slower guys can even be more entertaining. They're on top of each other more, maybe I don't know. But um, I think yeah, it's it's always decent racing. I think you're going to see Marvin on on the West for once, uh, which is going to be kind of cool. Um, Actually, one of the guys I forgot to write down was uh, uh, Bogle. Bogle will be back, and I think he's going to be defending his East Coast title.
2: Yeah, that's what I've heard too.
0: Yeah. So, um, but again, guys like uh, Alex Martin, I really hope that he's going to have a better supercross season than he had last year. I think Cooper Webb comes into his own on the West. And. Yep. Uh, um, as far as uh, Zachary Osborne, if he doesn't do something this year, I think we might be seeing, like, uh, maybe, like, a Zach Osborne fading back out again, unfortunately. Do you guys agree? Yeah, you
2: could. He'll just continue his career racing, ISDE, and <laughs> off-road events.
0: Yeah, yeah he'll, he'll be the next Steve Hatch. Yeah. Um, So, like, and, like, Kawasaki already in trouble with losing AC. Uh, We don't know what Tonus is, uh, is uh, like, uh, capable of whatsoever. Aldridge will be fast. Uh, One guy you guys probably aren't, uh, isn't on your radar is Nick Gaines, who, uh, great amateur rider. He's actually going to be on a full-blown PC bike with different platforms. He's going to be basically running as a privateer effort with a pro circuit bike, mainly because they just didn't want him to have the same uh, pressures of the pro circuit team. He will be on that. He'll be on the same bike as Tyler Bowers or any of those other guys, just not on the, the same uh, program with where they're testing and, and the expectations of being on a pro circuit bike. So that'll be interesting to see what he can do. I think he'll probably be East cause he's a um, North or North Carolina guy. Um, so um, a couple of guys that need to have breakout rides, Darren Durham and Jesse Nelson both have to put in some podium finishes. Yep. Like, mandatory. If those guys want to continue having the rides that they're having right now, they've got to be on the box.
2: Durham started showing flashes towards the end of the year, Um, so it'll be be interesting to see what he does um, going in to the season as it begins. But we don't know what coast he's riding at, right?
0: We don't, exactly. So, like, that's why I didn't want to touch on the 250s too long. I just wanted to kind of, like, talk about some of these guys as contenders on either coast. Uh, obviously, uh, on a deeper coast, I think that uh, Durham is going to struggle, even though he was an absolute boss as an amateur, uh, proving that that uh, doesn't always uh, translate into success on the big stage. Uh, RJ Hampshire, um Kind of, I wouldn't say underwhelming or maybe, like, didn't live up to expectations. But, like, for all those who were looking for him to threaten for the podium um, in the outdoors for the races he did do, he didn't do that at all. So, hopefully he can uh, uh, show his supercross skills. And, um, yeah, we'll see what Jordan Smith is all about. Because uh, the whole both times he was racing a supercross race, uh, meaning that... Um, uh, the All the Amateur All Stars thing. He ended up uh, off off the deck, so uh, we'll see what Supercross brings for uh, Jordan Smith.
1: What do you, you guys know, think? I think of... ahead, what do you guys think about like a guy like Josh Hansen? Uh, do you think he'll be any, a real threat to do anything?
0: Total wild card. I think if he's not on a podium within the first three races, he folds up like a lawn chair and goes back to the hills of California. I'm not kidding he he literally starts to live there he'll be a cave dweller uh, with a really really nice motorcycle um, in the hills of California and then uh, if if he wins a race he's a podium podium threat any night we're talking about a guy who has James Stewart-esque speed and talent on a motorcycle we're talking about a guy who can literally do almost anything on two wheels you watch that guy just ride a motorcycle, you're like, that is like, every time you'll see one of his edits, you'll see something that you've never seen done on a motorcycle. Would you guys agree?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I was a bit ki- like curious. Go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say I was, go ahead, Mike.
2: Oh, I was going to say, it's a little bit like JMD, um, you know, without the race success that he had. But, um,
3: yep.
2: Another question that I actually, two questions on the 250 class for me is, A, how Tyler Bowers is going to do um, yeah. You know, we all know what he can do in arena cross. The question is, will he have the endurance and with the size, what's going to happen outdoors? And what the like, heck is Geico thinking, putting uh, looky on a, a 250? Why wouldn't they just put him on a 450 and then race the 450 class if they wanted to sign him?
0: I think uh, Honda is that's... hoping to uh, put him on a a board out 250f and hope that he never gets uh, uh, protested.
1: <laughs> <Big board>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Big boy, call what? up Chris Kiefer for some advice.
1: <laughs> no doubt.
0: Um, that
1: is interesting. Yeah, I think like, because TLD doesn't go east. You know, that's the problem. It's like yeah. they can he could ride the west coast rounds, but then what would they do if he went he went east? You know,
0: I think if Mookie rides because he's got on Geico, obviously. If he rides east with oh, I'm
1: sorry. You're right. I'm thinking. Of, I was thinking of the TLD. You're right. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. With, to which uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but the the fact that they like they went to Honda's, but then they really didn't change up the look of the bike. I was really hoping that Troy Lee Designs was going to come out with something really cool looking for KTM's. They really didn't, which I was disappointed with. But Malcolm Racing East could be a really cool idea.
2: Yeah, I think so too.
0: Like Is I think he steals wins more, and man. helps Bogle. <laughs> Uh, if if he doesn't uh, win the championship himself, he helps Bogle uh, repeat. Yep. And then yep. Bogle's out no, of class.
2: <laughs> well, I think in the sticky dirt on the East, I think that'll help Mookie he a little bit too. So. For
0: sure, a little bit of an equalizer. Because uh, I, yeah. I don't think he's ever raced East, other than on a 450 a couple of times.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. He hasn't.
0: Uh, which would be something cool for him, especially because I guess the dirt that he rides he rides on during the week is well, they have like a hard clay that they have at, at James's house. But apparently, they have a couple of supercross tracks that they they, they frequent. Uh, Tyler Bowers, to answer your question, from what I from my con- uh, correspondence with him, he sounds like he's in. He first of all, he's down twenty pounds from where oh, wow. he was out okay. before, uh, and wow. uh, he's also been racing in in. Uh, Costa Rica Costa Rica Outdoors which uh, the races are shorter but they're at least as long as as a 15 lapper for a main event so um, yeah I I would say that 10,000 degrees (laughs) exactly and super hot and as well as um he wants to like his 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 wife or girlfriend, or I guess, in uh, fiance now is a monster girl. So if he's getting beat by guys uh, at the at the races that she's re- like representing at, uh, he's not going to be pumped about that. So maybe a little bit of extra motivation to uh, perform in front of his sweetheart. I think he's going to do well.
2: Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. But you know, I think the one guy that we're not really talking about yet. That I think is going to get some results is uh, Shane McElrath. I think he's going to uh, I think he's going to do well in the Supercross this year.
0: Agreed. I think that uh, I think that's 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 a rider that um, has kind of flown under the radar. I think he's kind of like he all the hype that came in with him and um, uh, Bichelia as they 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 hit the scene two years ago from in two, the 250Fs. Um, they, they've kind of like, they had to kind of reset a little bit to, to, to get where they're at. I think you're right. I think he's kind of gotten over some of those jitters. He's a pro now, and he's going to put in some good results. Um, yep. To wrap this thing up with a pretty bow, I've got three questions for the two of you. I'll let you both answer in succession, starting with Tony, and then we'll get Mike's uh, point of view. Uh, and this is a kind of like a um, more or less fancy question. Um if you could chug a beer with one rider in history, who'd it be? Can't say Chad Reed.
1: <laughs> Rick Johnson.
0: Rick Johnson. Why Rick Johnson?
1: Uh man, he was like my idol when I was a little kid. This one guy I've never met in person and I always loved. To... Well, actually no, I have seen him at the races, but not like, you know, one on one. Um I just I always thought he was a cool dude. I always loved when he's on DNXS radio. He's got some great stories, and I'd love to spend an evening in a bar talking moto with the guy.
0: Okay, perfect. And this is how this is going to work. I'm going to have you guys name one rider for all three of these questions. Once you've used somebody, you can't use them again. Deal?
3: Deal. Deal.
0: Mike, same question.
2: I'd have to go with the man, Roger DeCostro.
0: And you know what? Being from Belgium, you probably can swell beer like anybody else.
2: (laughs) Exactly. That was was actually my first time he talked about, you know,
0: Belgians and beer. Yeah, he'd grab himself a couple of cold Stellas, and you guys would just, like, right down the hatch.
2: Well, yeah, and you think about the variety of things you could talk to him about, too. I mean, what, five-plus decades of motocross?
0: Oh,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. every aspect from, you know, the Destinations teams to, you know, what he does now with KTM to, you know, what he did on Suzuki. I mean, I think it's faded somewhat with a lot of people, just don't realize what a bad man he was on a motorcycle. You know, oh, yeah. it was just, he was just awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would, you know, just, it, my second guy would be Hannah, but I'd have to go Roger.
0: Roger, for sure. Although, H- Hannah would probably stay for like six or seven more beers. <laughs>
2: exactly. And you know exactly what he was thinking. So. Oh, for Fair sure.
0: Um, Those are both okay. great answers. So, if, if I if I had to answer that, I think I would definitely go with uh, a Jeff Ward. I think the Jeff Ward, I think I'm a Cowie guy and he's he's been representing that brand for a better part of 30 years. Uh, I think he, like, the fact that he was in on any Sunday, uh, would like just I think he's, in, in my mind, he kind of encompasses everything that I would I would really look up to growing up. Obviously, he's before my time of, of watching, but thanks to uh, Tony, I'm more familiar with his career than pretty much anybody else's. So, uh, yeah, I think I'd go with uh, the Freckle. Next question. Plus, Sorry?
2: Plus, drinking with the Scottish guy, you could say, love,
0: Scott, past. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Plus, I like to drink with people that I'm taller than. Um, one rider you could invite for Christmas dinner Tony Ooh! wow see now
1: uh, you, you can't hard. have
0: RJ over so you're screwed
1: I don't know if I'm going to spend a day with a guy actually no I'm going to change Andrew's short I'd love to have
0: uh,
1: Andrew's a great guy he's awesome to hang with and I'd love to have him for Christmas dinner that'd be, that'd be a great time I think
0: plus you wouldn't have to say Grace he'd do it for you
1: that's true that's true. Great human being.
0: Absolutely. Mo- Moser appreciates uh, that, and, and if he and if Moser does listen to these, which I would be surprised that he does, uh, I, th- I think uh, an, an email is is required. Moser, you, 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 I need your thoughts on that one. Uh, and, and Mike, <laughs> uh, go ahead.
2: I'm stepping back a little bit. I'm going to go with Marty Motes on this one.
0: Marty um, Motz. Okay, tell me why.
2: Well, uh, everything I ever heard about him was just what a great genuine person he was and what a nice guy was. And man, I just love to hear the story about that 80 US GPU win.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. You guys both have bench raising on your agenda uh, for talking to these guys with moto. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I I would definitely have to say um, I'd, I'd have RC over. I really would. I would have RC over because not only is I think he's the kind of guy that would end up talking till two, three o'clock in the morning about moto and just everything else in life. And you, you'd find out more about like maybe the dark side of motocross with him than anything else, uh, which would be really kind of interesting. And then, um, yeah, I think I'd have RC over. I think that'd be cool.
2: Sounds like a good night there. All right. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So, um, you guys are going to go for one riding day on 125 motorcycles you can pick your era or you can pick the same bike as this rider you go for one day riding on 125s with a 125 supercross champion who are you riding with what track
1: oh my gosh um a 125 supercross champion well the problem with that is i wouldn't be able to keep up with any of them fast enough to stay in sight but I, I gotta think if I'm gonna watch, if I'm gonna go out there and watch one guy ride a 125 all day, I, I'd go with Bubba. I'd go to like Red Redbud or someplace, and uh, I just keep cutting the track to try and stay uh, within sight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bubba 2004. You go, you you go back in time and ride 125s in 2004 with Bubba.
1: Exactly. I mean that guy was the most amazing dude on a 125 I've ever seen. He just hauled the mail like nobody else.
0: Well, perfect. I'd let you ride your 2006 – or, yeah, if you had a 2006 uh, 252 stroke, so maybe you'd be able to keep up with them for a couple extra corners.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm, uh, I am I'm, have no illusions about that. It's amazing how fast those guys just pull. Even when you do try to tuck in and practice, it's like within two corners, they're like, oh.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I had uh, that. See you later. I had Tyler Rattray and Dean Wilson go around me in that, that uh, first corner at Glen Helen. I was fourth gear on my two hundred and fifty F, absolutely to the boards, and they walked past me like I was standing still. Like I, I almost like I felt the wind, blow, like as they blew past me, I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Um, and and Mike, same question.
2: Uh, I would go with Mister Carmichael, and Carmichael. for track, I would go old school Unadilla, grassy with the staircase up the back, yes, the whole deal.
0: Yes, oh, that would be, awesome. be great. Like you, basically, you, you. First of all, you go back in time to 1999, uh, which would be the best uh, 125 that he would have raced, because the 2000 or the 1997, 98s were left something to be desired. Which is, and then his his 99 was pretty much the same bike that James Stewart rode for uh, 2001, 2002. Um, yep. Great bikes, and then of course, then you step back in the, the time machine again and go back to 1984. When, yeah, when, when Unadilla was good, when Unadilla was incredible, uh, you, you're doing quite a bit of time time traveling. But for one epic day with RC on 125s, um, yeah, I, I, I can't, uh, I, 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 I gotta admire your pick on that one. Um, <laughs> but if you gotta dream,
2: you gotta go dream big.
0: For sure, absolutely. Um, I I know both of those Kawasaki riders are uh, kind of like the 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 coup de gras of uh, of who to ride with on a 125. But if I had to pick one guy, I'm going back to 1990, 2000, actually 2000, uh, and me and Travis Pastrana on factory 125s are gonna hit up Redbud. That's a, a Red good Bud. choice. That's a good choice. Great, cho- like I I appreciate that. I think uh, he was kind of like he, like. Things hadn't really gone sideways for him, and I know uh, Tony. You put up that picture today uh, on Instagram of uh, from '04, and I, I, I didn't even realize that's how far back it went to where it was basically over for him. And uh, I think it would be really cool to uh, to, to steal a day from him uh, to ride on 125s back when he was the fastest man in the world. I hate 125s. to say it, I think it was uh, it
1: was over for him pretty much. When he cold cocked himself in 0-1 at Unadilla, when he yes. was walking uh, yeah. away, he was yeah. he was on his way to winning that second title, had pretty much had it under control, and he knocked himself out. And then the next week did it again. at was I guess was Shugel, and then I, I think really that was the end of his career almost. I mean, the rest of it was going through the motions, but he was never quite the same after that. Yeah, you know, that really bad hit.
0: I think it was Sad, just, you know? uh, I think that was more or less, more than it was a hit to his head. I think it was a hit to the reality that I'm done. This is – there's no more um, – I can't compete on this level with my body the way it is and, um, and, and and trying to spread myself as thin as I do. You know what I mean? Like the guy, he did it all. And it ended up biting him in the end.
1: Yep. I mean, no, no, no fault he's had a great career oh, outside sure. of
0: motocross.
1: But – being a motocross guy, I don't care about freestyle. I don't care about the other stuff he's done. Yeah. Great though it is. Not a rally. For rally. me, it's sad that he was not, you know, in motocross winning titles for 10 years. You know, that's, that's a really, you know, one of the biggest bummers, you know, because I really love that, watching that kid ride. It's, it kind of sucked the way it all turned out. I agree. Almost I potential. think, uh, Almost, if, yeah.
0: if, if Travis Pastrana doesn't, re- doesn't do freestyle, never gets into NASCAR rally or anything, like no extracurriculars, uh, Chad Reed doesn't win the 2003 Supercross Championship. Um, oh, you can be right. Ricky Carmichael never, uh, never uh, uh, has a perfect season. Uh, Grant Langston doesn't win the 2007 outdoor title. And uh, like, at the end of Ricky Carmichael's career, he steals an outdoor title away from him. Probably 06. And, um, yeah, I, I, that, that would be probably in like, like take another supercross championship away from somebody. Like if he was still, uh, still pre- like a hundred percent moto based on his speed and skills on a motorcycle, I think he at minimum takes home two supercross championships and uh, has uh, a boatload of uh, outdoor, ri- outdoor wins and, uh, doesn't let uh, a perfect season happen. Not no eight, not no four and not no two. You guys agree?
2: Yep. Oh, you imagine those battles that he and Archie would have had. Ooh, oh, would have awesome. oh,
0: we feel cheated, and, and, and out like, and rightly so. I, I feel like uh, um, it's just uh, it's it's too bad to see that he he wasn't able to do what we thought he could. But uh, I've got to get going, boys. Uh, I got um, just it's uh, first of all, it's almost eleven o'clock where you guys are at, um, and uh, appreciate you taking some time with me this evening. Uh, we talked moto, we did some bench racing, uh, if it's if it's alright with you guys, I'd like to have you on again, uh, just to do some pure bench racing, I love the content, I love the banter, uh, it does get typical with us uh, talking over each other at times, and uh, the two of you guys not knowing when to to chime in over top of each other, but uh, nevertheless, it's pure gold, um, if we're all able to uh, meet up at one Supercross sometime, I think we should all definitely uh, do that as well, but uh, nevertheless, um Everyone should go follow Tony Blazer on Instagram and Twitter. Everyone should go uh, subscribe to your YouTube channel. If you got nothing else to do late at night to watch t- anything's on TV, you can watch Supercross after Supercross after Supercross. And sometimes you forget the results of Supercrosses. You watch them again. Uh, and if you want some unbelievably sharp photography that's well lit. Uh, you got and and some, some just some some heartfelt photography that's that's well done. You go ahead and you follow Mike Sweeney, Mike M Sweeney photo on both Instagram. I think his Twitter's a little different. I'm not too sure why, but he did that anyway. Uh, go check out Mike Sweeney on Instagram and Twitter. These guys are great follows. They're great moto dudes. Uh, and hopefully, if you're not following me by now, you should. Uh, on behalf of Myself, The Big MX Show, and Tony and uh, Mike. Merry Christmas to the two of you. and uh, Good night, boys. Good night.
1: Thanks so for having on. Thanks.
0: Right on, guys. Thanks again. You guys are awesome.
1: Thanks,
2: Brad.
0: Thank you for listening to The Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.